Welcome to the Recruitment Mentors podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by Russell Hughes, who is a partner at the FJR Group. Russell has worked in the industry since 2003. In that time, Russell progressed from consultant all the way to associate director within the large corporate Robert Half. He then later became managing director of their executive search Europe function, before then leaving to join the FJR group. And over the last three years, Russell has been focused on helping the FJR group grow um, within the London division. Um, They have offices in London, Manchester, with a footprint in America and Scotland. And the FJR group are on a mission to be in 25 locations globally within 25 years. Russ, thanks for for joining me. No, thanks for having me. Good to be here. Really looking forward to this. So where we always like to start... The million pound question. In your opinion, what what characteristics and traits do you think make up a, a highly successful recruitment consultant? Wait, that is a million dollar question, isn't it? Because that's what everyone <laughs> wants to find out the answer to when you're hiring. But um, for me, I think the, there's some common commonalities, and I think over the years, having worked with, hired, and with with some fantastic people. And they could be like out and out salespeople to very reserved concert conservative consultative people i think the the common trait for me is the is the quality of the questions people ask and the ability to to listen and really hear what what people are saying to you um mm. so i think it packaged up it's your communication skills um but i think for me it's probably in essence yeah it's your ability to ask good questions and your ability to build rapport and relationships but equally to to listen carefully to what people are telling you and understand you know what what their real reasons and motives for doing things are. Yeah, I love that. Well, yeah, it's come, it's come up a couple of times, but being curious is yeah, really inquisitive, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like genuinely as well, like wanting to not because it's like right, I just want to ask questions, then I can talk to them about this candidate or whatever. It's generally having interest and trying to understand. Yeah, yeah, the problems and the potential solutions that you can help clients, candidates with. Absolutely. Um. So obviously quite quite a bit to unpack here, right? So obviously for, for those listening, how we're thinking about this is, so obviously you spent a lot, a large chunk of your recruitment career at Robert Half. Yeah. Um, and then for the last, obviously, yeah, just over three years, you've been uh, helping grow the FJR group. So let's just first touch on your sort of journey at Robert Half, right? Obviously Robert Half, household name. Um, obviously that wasn't your first recruitment job. So talk to us about like your first year in recruitment. I'm always interested in that. So obviously you first worked at one company. First year, yeah, first year in recruitment. So obviously got your first job. Looked like I don't know if that what if you would say that worked out or it didn't work out. But you then ended up at Robert Half. Like what was yeah. your first year in recruitment like? Well, the first the first year was interesting because I'd come um, I'd been away traveling for a little bit. Came back and uh, whilst I'd been away, I'd met a guy who'd who was just chatting to that had worked in recruitment when he was in Sydney. And it just sounded quite interesting, but I wasn't looking for that when I came back. I kind of moved to London and wanted a job in sales. And I think my main criteria then was I wanted a company car. That was what is in the back of my really? head. Wasn't it? I had a company well, car. Why did you want a job in sales? That That's not common. Well, I think one, I didn't, I wanted something that was going to give me an ability to impact my earnings first and foremost. Mm. I didn't want to be restrained by how much I could earn through um, a sort of functional role that would, um, you know, limit you and perhaps have, 
hierarchy that stopped you getting where you wanted to get to more more quickly so that was the that was the reason for sales and I always felt like I was sales I guess for me just seemed like a natural fit I um mm. you know wanted something that was going to allow me to earn as much as possible as quickly as possible um and so that was kind of the, the plan came back and started applying for sales jobs and the recruitment business that I first joined had invited me in to register me and whilst there was chatting to them about um just generally talking and, and the guy started asking me questions about what I wanted to do and I was asking him questions about what he did and talking about the guy I met in Sydney that had done recruitment and and slowly but surely he started bringing other people in to meet with me and then <laughs> you know by the end of the session they sort of said well would you consider a job in recruitment and and um and that was kind of how it happened but the first um first year was interesting so I'd not done anything like that um and my first day with the business it was sales recruitment so we were placing salespeople. the first day in the business they um I remember walking in into an office with 20 or so people and sat down at a desk with um a cv of a guy who sold photocopiers and uh, and I was given a list of, or a, a list of companies from an exhibition that was going on at the Excel Center. And that was generally how you, we seemed to find companies to call. And then I was given a script to follow, to call oh, wow. up and try and speak to sales directors and uh, pitch this candidate who sold photocopies into them. Um, nice. And the objective was to try and get a sort of interview for that candidate closed off there and then on the phone. Um and it was just, yeah, heavily KPI'd. You never met any clients or candidates. It was purely like telesales, I guess. You just got yeah. every day you'd come in, you'd you'd um, get a CV of someone, you'd find a list of people to call and you just go out. And it was, you know, 600 calls a week, 120 on a day. And 9 till 12, you were on the phone. If you weren't, you were getting beasted and um, <laughs> 2 till 5. So it was, it was definitely interesting. And I think after after you've done that for a period of time, you just start questioning, you know, what about if we went and met some of these clients and <laughs> got in front of them? Do you think we might get them call us with some jobs rather than just chasing um, interviews mm. for candidates each and every day? So I guess you start, you just start questioning it. That was their model and it worked and you could make really good money doing it, but it wasn't overly, um, it was a bit soul destroying after a while. And I think yeah, that I for me, I just, um, I sort of outgrew that and just felt like there was, there's got to be a better way of doing things. And um, that led me to, yeah, start searching for something else, but knowing that I quite enjoyed recruitment, but I think I'd wanted to be someone that was able to get out and meet people. And, and that had stopped me doing it. Have that face to face. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think like just talking about that, do you think like, if you, do you think that approach would work in today's market? No. Well, yes, and obviously, yes and no, no, you've got to think about it. there's nuances of your market, yeah. right? But over if we were to say like a holistic view or like just a general view, do we think that would work? I think it, I think it could because I think just the sheer volume of what you're doing, really? um, and I think you you deviate, you're not following the script clearly after a, a hundred times of doing yeah. it, but and you start to listen, and if you do start to ask good questions, then you can start to build rapport and relationships, and you will. You, you know naturally if you do a good job for someone they will likely start to think of you and come back to you yeah. but it's not but getting out and meeting them i think has a masses of benefit but but it, i think it clearly it could work but it's not i think you it's a it has a life cycle i think people yeah. are going to want to want to progress and feel like they're progressing and that is very regimented very disciplined each and every day to do the same thing and you know you it's paint by numbers and if you if you do it you can you can make money, but not everyone does this job just to make money. You might do that initially, but maybe that's not 
everyone's yeah, yeah. Uh, a real motivator for doing it. So yeah, it probably could. And I think it does give you some grounding and you know some skills that can transfer into your later career because yeah, you know, that ability to make something happen literally and close people down is um you know that's a good skill to have but i think it i think there's different ways to do stuff now um and i found it really tough actually going from that into robert half in the first um you know the first first three months or so i found it really difficult because one it was a different mark your sales people and accountants are quite different people in a lot of, in most instances um, sure. so that was really quite a challenge to temper and change my way of doing things from the way I'd been taught to, you know, a, a different business altogether and a different type of individual that you're dealing with. Yeah, I can imagine. And just really quickly, just to get really practical and you can draw on any, yeah, just your overall experience here, but just uh, curious to ask, what would you say are your like non-negotiables now when specking out candidates? Like just out of interest, because that's where you obviously you're just talking about how you started. You did a lot of that. So I feel like you'll have like a, a probably solid process framework that you use or you try and share with your colleagues. Like what's what like if you've got a candidate that's got a really good skill set that you know good select for your businesses would probably want to know about and you're targeting them. What what's what's your framework? What's I your, think you, what you're yeah, I don't know actually. I'm I'd probably I, I think you just got to highlight all of the. I think you got to highlight the value that they're going to add and draw upon the the you know clearly it's got to be relevant to to start with. Um, yeah. Industry you know role, um, and you've got I think you've got to just draw upon the value out of the person that you're specking out. You've got to have got a really good understanding of where they've added significant value. And I think if you're then targeting. Um, specifically targeting a business or a person where you know there's some change going on or you've heard something and you're you know people can't help but then stop and listen if you've if you've if you've done your research and you're specking someone out that you know genuinely could add value then yeah and you're, and you're talking through why they're going to add value i can't think that many are going to even if they really don't want it there and then you know yeah. they're going to they're going to recognize that you've come to them with something that could have benefited them yeah fair enough obviously yeah you've, you've got to know your market and have that sort of insight and like what what I used to do was um, we'd always basically we'd always put down like three to five bullet points max on mm. what you just said on yeah. like how we understand that they this candidate could potentially add value to that business yeah. and our goal was to like get through that and then just uh, end with like an open question like how yeah. how open would you be to booking in the time to discuss this person further or whatever. Um, so I was just interested yeah. if you if you started with some sort of script that you were just nailing down. I was just interested to see how it's evolved or definitely no no script hoping. anymore. I think because yeah, I had that. I've, <laughs> I've done lots of scripts and I'm not I'm not a fan of it. So no, I don't think so. I think I think you just kind of that's probably inherently built into me in, in some way that you just yeah maybe maybe I've not thought about it enough, but maybe you do just have a, a way of doing it. That would, I think I'd probably, yeah, you, I mean, you've got to recognize that the moment you call them, you're probably interrupting them and yeah. you've kind of got to, you know, probably be open and honest about why you're calling. I think that's always, mm. once you got through to the decision maker, that's always worked well. I think if you just are up front, the look is a sales call. Um, and then if you're, you know, if you're reasoning, like you say, if you've got two or three bullet points about why that person could potentially add value, yeah, um, I'd probably, yeah, it wouldn't be dissimilar to that. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Interesting. 
So let's talk about, so you mentioned it there. So then joined Robert Half, obviously a completely different, obviously environment, business to what you initially um, found yourself in. So like what what I'm interested to know, obviously a lot of recruiters um, want to progress. They want to get to that director level, et cetera. So I guess just the sort of first question I have for you really is like why and I'm sure Robert half it's competitive. It, there's high standards and these types of things. Like, why do you think you was able to get to that AD position compared to your peers and the people sitting next to you that no doubt a lot of them were trying to get to as well? Um, I think that um, there's not, I mean, there's not too many career paths are there in, in recruitment. You either build and are really good at it and you enjoy doing that, or you try and go down the leadership route. And I think to do the the leadership thing, you've got to one be probably pushing for it, but, but busy enough that you could have people around you and, and help them get to where they want to get to and not be mm. some of the best recruiters I've, I've met are, are just out and out billers and just want to make loads of money, but they're too, mm. they're, they're probably a bit too selfish to be able to, share some of that somewhat to to help those around them and I think that you've got to want to go down the leadership route first and foremost but I think for me it was about being busy enough and and successful enough in my billing to start with to know um and just to have a a want to help people around me I think so I think Mm. you naturally start doing that without perhaps having the job or the title first and as you go through that it just it sort of more naturally comes to you I think it I, I was definitely knocking on the door to want to manage people because I saw that as you know that was how I measured the progression once I got billing sorted then that would be in my head how I thought about I was progressing within the business so and then I would just yeah I'd be knocking on the door I want to do this I want to do this and and I would be who, who is you knocking to, on the door of out of interest uh different people at different times through the career but but okay. I'd work with Neil who I work with now obviously for a huge part of my career so I remember trying to trying to become a a division manager I guess that's the first rung within Robert Half was you know I had to I had to I was knocking on Neil's door for quite a while to to do that and he kept um he kept pushing me back and say until I was I think he I think he really wanted me to be certain that I wanted to do that because it's a uh, right. I think I think it can be a tough job when you you go through once you that that for the first leadership role one you've got to kind of give up a proportion of your time to help others which could potentially impact your own earnings through performance yeah through your performance so you've kind of you do have to want to do it and I think that he he sort of kept fending me off a little bit not for a massive period of time but but did sort of push me back a couple of times I guess just tested your commitment and yeah yeah and I think then once you once you get into it, you kind of if you if you really you just got to work hard, I guess, to understand the people around you, their motivators, what what pushes their buttons, why they're doing what what their why is, why they're doing it, because um, that can help you link in, you know, performance and the need mm. to do certain activities that will help them get where they need to get to. But um, yeah, I think it's a, it's definitely a tough job that first that first leadership role and, and when you've got two three four people around you that are um you know especially if they've got not a lot of experience it takes up a lot of your time and that can impact your your own earnings for a bit but i guess you've got to take balance that with um and if you get over that then you know your earnings probably yeah. come back again and you're in a different different place then 
So do, I'm going to ask you on on around that, like, because we hear this a lot. That that's a really difficult part of if you do want to progress that way of your recruitment career. That that is a really difficult patch, and some people may find themselves in a sort of billing leadership capacity for some time. So I'm, I'm keen to ask you where you think, like, maybe some uh, recruiters go wrong with that, or what maybe you had to learn the hard way. But really quickly, because I think this has been shared a couple of times. Uh, which I think is really important to highlight. Most recruiters listening to this will be people that do want to progress and want to maximize their their career. And I just want to highlight the amount that you really went above and beyond to make sort of the relevant people aware that you wanted to you wanted that position. I think sometimes that's what people can miss out on, I feel like. Yeah. So I think people can slip into like, hey, like I don't know, people may be sitting next to you and going, I I thought I would be the best person to do that job, but they expected it to come to them get what i mean and yeah, I, feel I, think, like, I think that's the challenge isn't it i think if, yeah. you, if you wait for it to come to you a lot of the time it won't sometimes it could but i don't i think a lot of the time it won't and i think you've got to you've got to make it happen so i think that i think this podcast is proudly partnered with Sourcebreaker and vincherry i want to tell you in this very short break why you need to watch back their on-demand webinar of showcasing the all-new launched integration between Sourcebreaker and Vincherry. The reason why you should check it out is because it is going to show you how you can leverage Sourcebreaker with Vincherry to unearth and find candidates that you did not know existed in your database. We continue to hear how busy it is and the war for talent is on. You are going to have to get very good at finding candidates, building relationships with candidates. And part of that is making sure you have the right tech, the right tools that can save you time, can make sure that you're not missing anyone in your searches. So it's free. You can watch it back in your own time. And remember, for all of you that listen to this podcast, you can get exclusive savings on Sourcebreaker and Vincherry. So go and check out the on-demand webinar. There's a link in the show notes. Let us know what you think. You will not be disappointed. Now let's get back to the episode. When I, when I was at half the... 2009, I had gone off and taken a sabbatical and went and did some travel and came back. Yeah. And when I came back, I'd, I'd previously been working on a team that did sort of front office, corporate finance, M&A recruitment. And um, I came back and um, needed to go back onto the finance and accounting area, again, within financial services. But it was a much smaller team. Obviously, the Lehman's thing, the markets crashed and tanks. Yeah. And so it was a very different um, landscape. And I think... There was a few, a couple of us on the team at the time, but all who maybe had some designs on wanting to be the person that potentially led that division going forward. Um, and there wasn't, no one was told, right, well, you're leading it. It was kind of, you you sort of had to make it happen. So it's probably the best example, really. But so I, there was a couple of, there was a few of us on there and some of them really, it was a tough market anyway, but everyone kind of had to build and make money. But I just, I really put my foot down on on trying to hire and trying to knock on the door and say, I've just found this person. We need to mm. come on, can you interview them, see what you think. And I'd and I'd I'd just ask everyone and anyone I knew, who do you know that would be good at recruitment? I was I hired a couple of my old pals from school that I hadn't seen for a long time. Um I'd, you know, just any opportunity to try and think outside the box of your typical just you know, you've recruited with the years, two years experience. I was just looking at people who had transferable skills. And I think if someone is, you know, like we talked about at the outset, inquisitive, um, 
great communication skills, good at good at questioning, um, can build rapport, um, has a good energy about them. I would I would ask them about it. I'd talk to them. Do you have you ever thought about doing recruitment? As the guy that I met years ago in Sydney had asked me, and I think that um, through then bringing them in and just even though I hadn't been given license to maybe hire someone at the time, I just bring them in as a good person. And if I thought they were a good person, I'd try and get my boss to to meet them as well. And before you know it, you've got you know you've hired one. And then if you get them slowly, you know, you, if you're still quite busy and you can get them ingrained into the the wider group and they start making a bit of money, then you know you're knocking at the door again with someone else. And I think that you kind of just make it happen yourself. And I think that, and when and I've seen other people do that as well. I think you just got to if you really want it, you got to go and make it happen. And, and not wait. Mm. But I think yeah. if you've got your own performance sorted and you could give us, you know, the, there's there's enough rhyme and reason that you're going to be able to help someone else get successful, then uh, who's going to say no to that? Because ultimately, you're not going to meet many recruitment business owners that don't want to grow. And I think mm. that if you can show that you, you're you growing, your business is growing and you're, you know, you're, you're finding them people where you're not having to pay a fee for them potentially through other, other uh, you know, rec to rex then why not? Yeah, for sure. So I think, so I think a few things to underline there for people listening is one, you've mentioned it a couple of times now already, but what you're demonstrating there is the sort of willingness to do aspects of the role that you're, that you want in the future before you've actually got it. Yeah. Right? So you mentioned there before you was helping other people doing those things before you was in some sort of management, but you was willing and sort of demonstrating that. Then you just obviously talking about an example there where you sort of, you knew how important it was or how difficult it was to actually hire people for the team. So went out of your way to see if there was people that you could bring in and doing all that. And then all of a sudden, then you're the person that's knocking on the door going, Hey, this is why I want to do it. This is the opportunity that I want. And also, by the way, these are all the things that I've done in the meantime yeah, you're going to have a way better chance of being told that you're getting that promotion over the person that is just relying on, I don't know, their performance billings and then relying on people coming to them going, hey, Russ, like, should we talk about you becoming a manager, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thing, yeah, so I think it's a mixture of those things, being proactive, letting people know where you want to be um, whilst also being willing to do the role or aspects of the role and showing those things before you actually get it. Yeah, um, I think you've got to be prepared well. to do that. You've got to be prepared to, yeah. to do the job before, you, before you've got the job. Um, yeah. I think if you can demonstrate that, then you're more likely to be the one that gets it. Yeah. So so on this really quickly then, so like just really quickly, I want to make sure I, I ask it. So like if I'm someone that's listening, I know that I'm going to leadership position, I'm knocking on the door, I'm doing some of the, the there's extra activities that hopefully will yeah give me even more merit with my leader or the person that can make the decision. What What do I need to be aware of then um, that could potentially hurt my performance or I might find really challenging? Because you mentioned it a few times and it seems like there's this bit of a balancing act going on on your performance, getting the most out of your new highs or in that leadership. Like, where, where, do, you th- where do people typically go wrong or where, where should people expect to f- find it really difficult in that transition? I think, I think when you get going, you've got to kind of think, learning what makes you good at recruiting is a, if you've got that nailed down, because I think that, not everyone does it the same way. I think once you get to a point yeah. where you are given a bit of freedom to just get on and do the job, everyone finds their way um, and everyone has their own kind of intimate style. And I think if you have, um, I found that quite challenging to begin with because I I think a lot of recruiters are not very good at, I wasn't very good at being overly um, organized on our database or putting stuff on right. the system. And I just find, a, you know, you have stuff in your head or you know where you're going. And, and that I think was something I needed to learn a little more, but, being able to 
know what makes you good to help try and show someone else how to be good um, is, is the first point. I think the second point is when you do start managing people and you're still in them to be very focused on production yourself, it's about being um, respecting your own time to do your job that you're doing, which is mm. performance related. And I think, you know, setting some um, boundaries with those around you that you are leading is um, is critical. And I think it's easy to get sucked into, um, you know, answering questions or getting pulled pulled off desk or to help with something that's not necessarily business critical mm. that you that impacts your time and your ability to be productive yourself. And I think if you can, you know, if it, if it's something that's business critical, then grab me, talk to me about it. But between, you know, at these points, I think we need, you know, I need some time. Write down what you want to find the answer to, and then we'll come back to it at lunchtime, yeah. you know, end of day, whatever it is. But if it's business critical, grab me now. But I think you've got to, you've got to respect your own time and the need to perform yourself whilst in a billing plus leading role. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, and then real quick one, have you, as you were sort of going up, um, the sort of ladder as you are and, and just sort of progressing, have you ever sort of had to deal with sort of feelings of imposter syndrome out of interest? Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I think, okay. um, Maybe. Like, did you ever feel like, how have I got here? I might like, yeah, have, yeah, like sort of internalizing, I don't know, doubting that you got there on merit or you've had, a, I don't know, yeah. Any thoughts I think, on that? I don't know. I think maybe, I think because I was with Robert Half for so long and I think yeah. it was, you know, steady progression, I was kind of running my own race. So I don't think that, yeah, yeah, um, I don't think I felt it there. I think if I'd have, if I'd have, you know, done, there's people that, you know, go quicker and go faster and go bigger in other companies that um, I think if you maybe move in from, you know, one company to another, and then you've suddenly landed a big, you know, job that you, I think you, I could see how that could happen. But I think mine was, I was kind of almost protective <laughs> in my own head because it was, it was steady progression and it was within the same company. So I think that, um, you know, up That's until fair. then it was pretty, I don't, I don't think I've massively ever suffered from that, but I can see how that can, can happen. Yeah. 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 Um, but I think, yeah, yeah because of curious. the environment. Sure. So on on this then, before we move on to um, FJR, so I, I'm just interested. So Robert Half, obviously a huge household name. Like in your in your opinion, like why why do you think they've become what they've become out of interest? Like why have they become such a big brand in the recruitment industry out of interest. I, yeah. I guess I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm curious about the culture. I'm curious about what sort of culture, I don't know. Yeah. That's what I'm interested in. I think, um, I think they do a lot of things really, really well. I don't think, you know, for me, I had an amazing time there. I've got, I haven't got anything bad to say about it. I think that, you know, for, for me, the experience was in the, in the main positive the whole time mm. i think if you if you work that you know there were high standards when when i joined there was definitely high standards for you know production for you know trying to climb the ladder it was um in, but it was an environment that did allow people to progress it allowed people to flourish i think if you worked hard and you you did the right things that opportunity was there and because it's a big company you do have 
opportunity to, to move and travel a bit with it. But um, I think they, yeah, I just think they do a lot of things right. They, um, they're helped by the fact that the, the standards are high and the inputs that are expected are high. So I think that if people are getting close to reaching those, you're, you know, you're naturally going to, you're naturally going to win business because you're really busy and you're doing a lot of, a lot of work. Mm. Um, and I think that they, they, they try to, to train people, to coach people. So I think there's, they, they give a lot back. I think that it's difficult to just define it down to one or two things, isn't it? Sure, I, mean, sure. um, I think they do a lot of stuff. Well, yeah. How, how did you remain motivated Russ in your career? Do you think? I feel like that's part of why I ended up moving and stuff with what we spoke about. Yeah. But I'm just interested because I feel like a lot of recruiters' faces that I speak to, especially recruiters that progress well and 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 achieve success, is like I don't know, like there's sort of peaks and troughs of motivation because you you really climb the ladder. You ended up being AD, then left, then came back. Like how how did you remain motivated? I think you're right. There are peaks and troughs, and I think that you reach. I think, I think, I think, I think you've got to run your own race. I think you kind of you mm. can't you can't necessarily compare yourself the whole time to other people because that's a recipe for um to, for for maybe feeling a bit crap. <laughs> or yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. You just got to um you got to run your own race. I think that there's different things that will happen in your life that will motivate you at different points. For me, there was a you know lots of fun and and excitement on going on the journey initially um and wanting to climb the ladder and wanting to you know try different things and then you know settling down and having a family gave me a completely different motivation to want to um one you know provide for your family two to um have more time with your family and that probably led me to thinking about changing companies um after having been there a long time, I, I wanted a mm. bit more balance and flexibility. And, um, and so I think that, I think there's a, just at different points in my life, there's been different things that have motivated me. I think the beginning, it was money, material mm. things, M- you know, more recently it's been, you know, time, um, balance in life. Um, sure. not just having it all work related, but having, you know, a lot of stuff going yeah, on outside yeah. of work. And I think that that's helped me to, reframe what it is that gets me up and out doing yeah. what I do each day and I think obviously what you're talking about there is is self-awareness right and being able like how how often I don't know do you find yourself checking in with yourself quite a lot on it because it, obviously understanding that is just super important right especially yeah. in recruitment the the highs and lows that you face it's just really important I think that's something I could have I'm better on is just having a really strong anchor point of like why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and you hear this a lot, like how is this something that you sort of try and check in with every couple of weeks? You do things yourself. I don't know. Just curious. I don't, I don't know if I do it so consciously as that to stop every couple of weeks. And um, I think, I think, I think I've always been pretty good at compartmentalizing areas mm. of my life. So I think that um, whilst work was a certainly you know, the the first 10 years or so or a half, I was so focused on where I was trying to get to that that consumed me. I also met my now wife when I was working there. So, you know, that made <laughs> life easier because we'd be able to go out together after work and, you know, socialize with everyone. We'd be able to go for, di- you know, we didn't have kids yeah. then, so it was easier. I think as um, we had kids, that naturally meant that life 
changes a, a bit anyway and you don't necessarily want the sure. same thing so that just kind of helps reframe what you're what you why you're getting up and doing what you're doing but i think that i don't i think i'm i've always been quite good at not taking anything recruitment's really up and down and it can be really tough it can be really mentally challenging um to to keep yourself going when you know you face huge amounts of rejection each and every day in this job and it's um that can be really really too it can be too much for some people and i think that if you if you don't if you can just not attach yourself to it so much and worry less mm. about the the outcomes all the time and just I think you've got to try and be a bit present and enjoy what you're doing each and every day rather than worry about what hasn't happened or what might happen. If you can just try sure. and stay in the, the moment a bit more, that can that can help. But it's um yeah, I think you just gotta kind of I think it would help to sit and think about your why regularly. Yeah. Um because it does change. Yeah. I think yeah, I'm, I'm, thank you for sharing that. Um so FGR Group then, let, let's talk about this. Obviously, ne- next 30 minutes, let's sort of unpack this. So obviously, um, we saw, I, I, I sort of brushed over it, but over, overall, you spent most of your time in, in one recruitment business, right? So mm-hmm. what was you com- worried about moving to FJR? Like, because, yeah, because I'm sure Robert Half became your, like, you were just super comfortable there, right? You knew yeah. people, you've been there for a long time. Like what? What was you? What was you most worried about joining FJR? Well, I think it was a reasonably. It was probably an easier transition than it might have been, in so much as you know, there's people that I work with today that I've worked with over the years anyway. Um, sure. So there's a, a bit of a comfort blanket there still, somewhat. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest fear for me was um, I'd I'd spent a lot of time in a in the latter part, you know, before joining FJR in a non-billing role where. Um, I haven't had to be responsible for personal production. Um, and so I think the biggest fear is, you know, am I going to be able to go and make any money? Can I do it again? Yeah. yeah. And that's, that was the scariest thing. I think you can um, spend loads of time, you know, getting a, someone that has no experience in helping them and going on that journey with them to then making their first placement, to becoming successful and, you know, reaching certain milestones. But when you're then back to the wall and you think, Jesus, I haven't got, any clients and I've got no, you know, candidates, where am I going to start? And you could, you could question yourself when reality is you, you've done it for years. You should, you should be able to do it. And, but I think that was scary. That was scary thinking, shit, where do I start? Um, yeah. And I'm sure, and I'm sure you came with like a nice hefty salary as well. You're not a, you're not rust trainee coming through the door. <laughs> I think <laughs> so like all of us that are joined, well, right? Yeah, I think all of us have joined have, you know, had a, a reasonable amount of time in the industry. So you've got a, a fair target on your head, I suppose, when you do when you do start. Yeah. So I think that um and I think that, you know, the ultimately in in the business that we're in, we've got to we've got to grow because it, you know, economies of scale mean that we need to utilize the um the skill set that each of us have, you know, sort of built up to to balance that risk a little bit yeah. um but yeah certainly joining it's uh it's can i bill um yeah first and foremost because we didn't you know i joined and there was two others in the business um in london to begin you know at the same time and you know we had no and clients you're pretty much building yeah had no clients yeah so let's yeah. so let, let's talk about this then let, let's unpack this because this is sort of um an area that a, a, a lot of recruiters are really interested in okay so i guess Firstly, I guess my first question for you is what did you you speak like you're speaking about in the right way, but like what did you do firstly to make sure like your ego didn't get in the way? 
and be like, I'm fuck, I was an AD not too long ago. I shouldn't be like doing this, blah, blah, blah. I guess you thought about that before you joined, but like, mm. did you have to work through that and just, I guess, have that side of dialogue of like, this is part of the process and da, da, da. Cause I feel like you can get to a certain level and be like, yeah, they're like, I'm, I don't want to be doing that or spending time on doing that. Yeah. Like, did you I have think, to do much of that? No, I think, I think I'd made a conscious decision that that was what I wanted to do. So okay. I think I'd made peace with it beforehand. I think that, um, you know, I, I knew, um, I think when I, I think the frustration, when, when I first left Robert Half, I think that what I had in my head of what I wanted to do, and again, that evolved slightly, but, but I wanted to be probably back in a more client facing role, less of a sort of pure sort of managing leadership role. And I think that, um, so it kind of made sense to me, but I think you just, yeah, you just got to get on with it. I don't think there's any magic formula to it, is there? You kind of, I didn't have to have a word with myself. I had a word with myself okay, to nice. get on the phone and do stuff, but because um, <laughs> no one else is going to do it for you. And that's the, yeah, that's yeah. the bigger challenge, isn't it? You're used to having yeah, a you, lot, of, a lot more fair, resource. You, and you, you burned the boats, didn't you? You joined a company where there, there, there's no eruption, yeah. really. Like, so, yeah. so talk, what, what was, what ended up being, what, what was the, the strategy then? Talk to us about, because a lot of people may have, to, may have to go through this, right? Where they build up markets or they've ended up in a non-billing position then they've joined a business which they're really excited by, want to do right by. What, what ended up being the approach? So you now had to go and win clients. That was the first thing that we need to be doing. Yeah. How did you go about that? Let's just get a bit practical with it. Like, how did you try and leverage the network that you've built up over time? Like, how, what was the approach out of interest? Yeah. Well, I think I, I kind of spent some time going back over, you know, who who I'd worked with in the past, who I'd, who I'd helped in the past, thinking about um, people that you've posit- positively impacted, candidates and, you know, placed yeah. them in roles. And, and I guess that becomes a, a start point of people that you can go talk to. Um but and what, what the, was the conversation? Just really quickly, sorry to butt in, but was it like, yeah. hey, I've just joined this company. This is what we're trying to do. Wanted to reconnect. I wanted, like, what are you up to? But, like, is that what the conversation was? Yeah, as simple as yeah. that, and, and de- okay. depending on the person. Yeah, it's just, um, I think if you're always approaching, I, th- I think people, yeah, I think that's, that it, it's as simple as that. It's just, you know, calling and, and reconnecting and talking to it. And, and what's, what I'd urge people not to do is, is I think you've got to try, if if that is going to be something that you do later on, you know, go back, burn your boats, as you say, <laughs> try not to burn them too much. Maybe, maybe do stay in contact with some of the people that you've, you've, you've kind of helped and worked with over the years. It's, um, then you don't have to start right from scratch, but I think, you, yeah, you know, yeah. you, go, you just go talk to people. And if you're, you know, you've helped them in the past, most people inherently want to help other people. And I think if you, if you, uh, reach out you're honest with them you explain what you're doing and why you're doing it um how you might better add some value to them then you know not every door is going to suddenly open for you but there's a start point Good starting point yeah yeah so, so you do that more... what's the next steps well I, I think you then um i think engaging with your market um i think you've got to work out where you what you what you're trying to play for and become quite um focused on that as a as a niche or an area so for me it was sort of finance senior finance um in financial services and then more than that private equity um you know asset management trying to pick a a few markets that you that you've got knowledge of that you know that you could add some value to um and then sort of networking through the the people that you would 
be placing and and, and mm. talking to. So for me, that was senior finance people. So I'd be going and talking to finance directors, CFOs, um, understand, and and just having frank conversations with them about what their what their own aspirations are, challenges. Once you start getting into the flow of understanding your the the, the network that you want to be involved in and understanding who's moving, who's not talking to them mm. it just kind of snowballs isn't it it's not well what what do you what do you lead with though out of intro like and i'm trying to just go quite granular here but i think like what why so if you re, so if you're early on in that journey and then you yeah you've mapped out what you're focusing on who you want to be connecting and networking with like why would i give you my why would i spend time with you like what like i don't know out of interest like are you just leading with hey this is sort of the area that i focus on how open would you be to be talking to talk about the market at the moment? Like why, what was the reason for them to speak to you? I think if you've, um, it's always easier if you've got something to talk to them about, particularly yeah. if you've got some, some, you know, a position to, to talk to them about, or, um, it, particularly if you're networking with, um, candidates, I think, I think generally people that are further along in their career have a better view of what they do and don't want to do. Um, so I think recruitment can be easier when you're dealing at a more senior level than when you're dealing at a more transactional level. Um, sure. And I think that just reaching, I think if it probably helps that if you're reaching out to someone on LinkedIn, I guess I've got, I've been in the industry quite a long time. So I think it, that probably has helped helps. me in that someone yeah. might think, well, this person might be able to help me on my journey. They might be worth talking to. So that you kind of, if I, if I was starting completely from scratch, I think it's harder. But I think because I've got a background in the industry for you know eighteen or years now, the, the I think it it probably opens up a few doors um, a little easier. But yeah, I just I just talk to people and I'm just inquisitive and I just um, you know ask them about what they're doing now and what they want to do next and what what could I what could I keep them abreast of? What could I um, check in with them? What could I bring to the table to them? And I think that mm. those sort of general conversations open up and you just find angles to go at when you're in the flow sure. of that conversation it's um so what, what what what's ended up being like your most effective way of winning business then over these last couple of years have you been as you've been building this market out um i think that um talking to talking to candidates first and foremost hearing what's going on looking at you know, companies that they've, it's really simple stuff, looking at companies that worked out where they're leaving, you know, you find it's just general yeah. basic recruitment stuff. I, I guess the stuff that we, that I've not done as well and probably need to focus on more because it's different to how I was when I was recruiting years ago is, is the branding and the kind of mm. content. And I think that's something that, um, that I definitely haven't mastered. Um, okay. And would Fair need enough. to work more on it. That's, um, but I think, yeah, my, for me, it's always been about just, um, going talking to people and just spotting where you know if you know the market that you're going after and you're spotting candidates that are active knowing that clearly there's going to be opportunities coming up in their firms if they leave targeting those businesses those hiring managers it's um yeah pretty pretty basic stuff i think it's not sure but but, but from a but the the content stuff i think is probably the stuff that where you can improve yeah Yeah. that's fair enough Well, um, what did you end up billings? What did you end up doing billings wise then? First year, first year back in the uh, tools, mate. Yeah, for, well, I joined in the March, and um, by the end of the year, done about one twenty, I think. So it wasn't didn't knock it out of the ballpark. Um, 
but I was I was happy because I'd got some runs on the board early doors. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's um, it's been a roller coaster, isn't it? Because it, I mean, we started in twenty eight mid March, April twenty eighteen, and then um, came twenty nineteen was was good, and then we've had a a weird a weird year or so since. So it's been uh, it's been interesting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, really interesting. I guess what um, I know I know it sounds like really simple and stuff, but this is this is what people are interested in. I guess on, on that, like what, cause I'm sure you've seen this in colleagues or maybe less experienced people. I know you said what I just kept on doing was, yeah, speaking to people, building relationships, seeing where I can add value and doing those things. But like, what did you do? How do you maintain like a long-term mindset, mind, mindset, you know, towards it? Cause like you, we started at the beginning of the, this call and your journey it was very outcomes focused and you had to close people on that call then. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. what what did you keep an eye on to make sure that things are progressing in the right direction and and those types of things? I think you. I, I think I, I don't think you're going to win everyone over, are you? And I think you've got to mm. the ones that you build that you connect with um, are the ones that I would focus more on trying to nurture those relationships with. Um, mm. I think I'm I'm I've been doing it long enough to know that I'm not going to I'm not going to win everything and and there's some some doors you can keep knocking on that you won't get into and others that will open for you more quickly and I think that talking to the the ones that you kind of connect with that genuinely have an opportunity to potentially help you at some point or you be of help to them um are the ones that I would I would focus on nurturing more at the expense of others I think mm. it's just yeah, as simple as that. Just um, you, you know, I think when you're gonna, when you get on with someone, and and I think that's a big part of it. You've got to be able to get on with people. And I think if you, the ones that you know, if I make a call and I get on, and and there's a bit of a, a nibble there, or you kind of, you know, there's some commonality, or you've spotted something that you, you know, that, an interest or something that you can build some rapport with that you can then. And and then you have a good call with them. I would I would make sure I diarise to to go back to them. I try and have something to to help them or have something that could add value that I could go back to them with. I think that the challenge is is that most people are getting spoken to by recruiters so many times that um, over the course of a week, maybe if they're in a senior position, that. It's tough to be memorable, isn't it? And I think you, mm. you, if you know, you've got to, you've got to have a bit of a strategy of what you're gonna, um, what you're gonna go back to them with. So I think I'd always in my head try and think of, you know, maybe a, a, a progression of calls if it was completely cold of, you know, maybe talking about themselves first, what their career aspirations are, maybe running a job past them uh, on an, on another call, maybe. Um, calling them with a with a job that's maybe not quite right for them that you're asking for referral or you know having a mm. bit of progression and each time trying to build into that some extra um context of building and context yeah, yeah, yeah. that's going to just help you get over the line um sure to meeting and solidifying it so what um so talking about more like you said yeah obviously I didn't realize that start in 2018 and then obviously yeah, a year of that being um, obviously uh, during COVID. So like what, obviously as we come to the end here, what what's really helped you, I guess, over the last sort of 12, 16 months um, deal with the the challenges mentally over the last sort of 12 or so months. I, I, uh, 
I dropped uh, John a note around what questions you'd like me to ask Russ, and he said you're someone that's always seems to sort of have their head head on their shoulders or are able to pick themselves back up. So just just curious to hear, yeah, what what sort of helped you uh, ride the roller coaster over the last <laughs> six twelve? That's months a good question. Interest. I think it's um, I think part of it is just who you are, right? And some people yeah. can um, you know, are less effective by stuff. I think I, I generally am someone that will see positive in most things um, or mm. opportunity in most things or, you know, just learning in, in, in stuff. So I don't think I naturally, I'm, I'm not naturally someone that gets down that much. And I think that I've got, I'm like I've mentioned earlier, I'm good at compartmentalizing and I mm. recognize that, you know, work isn't work is work and it's something I love doing, but it's, it's my job and it's a, you know, it's not my life. And I think that having, um, having interests and, and good relationships and friends and social stuff outside of work, I think keeps you is what actually keeps you, you know, on the right path. I think that, you know, you having a good environment to work in is, is good. And clearly it's been a tough, a tough 12, 18 months for, for everyone. And, and certainly for some people, it's been massively tough. Um, thankfully um touch wood i wasn't overly affected by it really in in so much as you know i haven't gone through a pandemic i didn't lose anyone close to me i was kind of yeah. you know luckily not affected in that way um and as a business we managed to we managed to carry on and and whilst it wasn't where you know how we'd exactly want it to be it's and it's knocked us back a little bit on our plan and um journey that we we're on it's um you know, I think when you frame it like that, and there is perspective. You know, we've we've come out of it all right. You know, we're we're all healthy. Yeah, yeah. We're we're we've got our jobs. We've got our families are okay. Then I think you kind of you've got to be able to see that. You know, that in itself is a positive thing, and it's um, you know there is more to life. You just got to enjoy the moment. I think it's um, and if you don't, I, I think it's easy to start worrying about what has happened. You know, what hasn't happened, what might happen, but a lot of that might not happen. So you just got to get better at, yeah, not, not try not to recognize when, you know, the voice in your head is, is stressing you out and, um, giving you bad, I mean, this constant dialogue yeah, yeah. Of, of stressing you when the reality is, you know, that's not, you don't have to listen to it. You might hear yeah. it, but you don't have to listen to it. And you choose, you just, yeah. No, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, perspective. And I think, yeah, I think, yeah, making sure that you're not someone that puts their whole sort of self-worth and identity as as work. Yeah. Massively helps, doesn't it? I think, I think it does because I think right. it can come crashing down then, can't it? If you're, if you yeah. put everything into that and then something happens, you know, uh, you know, it goes badly or you, you know, someone else leaves that you were really close to that you, you know, affects you, then your whole, you know, world can come tumbling down. So I think you've got to have balance and um that can be tough i think certainly when you're um starting out and uh, but i think you've got to force yourself to to try and have balance i think it's i think that's massively massively important to you yeah to i think that that's the thing not everyone has the the sort of privilege of having a great support network but i think that's nice. that's one of the most sort of valuable things that i think you can't always see see like we were talking about football earlier in the Euros and stuff, I would probably say that sort of most high-performing sports people, um, if you were to sort of uncover from the podcast stuff that I listen to, most of the time, a lot of them will say that the sacrifices and the hard work they've gone through was only possible because of the support network. Yeah. 
they yeah. went through. Do you know what I mean? And I think, I think in today's world, if you're listening to this and you don't feel like you've got that, then we'll actually sort of hearing um, Russ talk and listen to this podcast will help. But actually, you you will only be a message away from connecting with like-minded people that yeah may can re- relate to you and stuff like that. But I think you've you've definitely got to go out of your way to try and build that if you don't have that. I think you do. I think there, there's lots of resource out there, isn't there? So I think I think yeah. it's at the, you know the touch of a button. There's lots of good stuff out there, and there are a lot of like-minded people. It's just um, lifting your head up above the noise and and recognizing it and and uh, yeah. But I do th- I do that's that, that's my I think that's the mo- one of the most important things is being able to have you know having outside interest and not everything focused on working. What is an right, industry yeah. that's really you know, it is a tough industry at times. And if you're not enjoying it, it could be a horrible place because of the constant barrage of, um, of rejection that you, you potentially face on a day-to-day basis. And if you can't deal with that, it could be a, yeah, a lonely place, but. For sure. So how, as we come to the end here, then how, how are you feeling about the future of recruitment? What does that look like for you? Obviously you've been in the industry for a while now. Yeah. How I think it's about um, the future of it. I think it's positive. I think there's, um, there's still, I think it's a massive industry. It's a massive, um, you know, it contributes a lot to the to the economy. You're, you're helping people find new opportunities that, um, you know, I think it's a, a massively important industry. And I think having worked in it a long time, I can't, you know, I, I really enjoy what I do and I really enjoy the industry. I think that clearly there'll be some potential for it to change and evolve. Um, I think, you know, being specialist um, is important, I think, um not too generalist i think maybe for i, I don't think i don't think we're ever going to get completely replaced by you know robots or anything like that i think the um i think the reality is it's a people industry and i think that um i think people I th- you know i think when hiring people always respect and and value the um that sort of input that a recruiter can provide. I don't think will it, I don't think, you know, there's a lot of talk sometimes about it disappearing or being, uh, you know, certainly maybe at the transactional level, but I, I, I can't see that completely. I think that it will, it will evolve. And I think that, um, but I think that we, that human element is tough to replicate without having humans Absolutely. involved in it. I think that for that reason, it will, it will evolve, but it won't, it won't disappear. It's too, too big an industry and i think that um but i think that being being a specialist in your market is is massively important and you know maybe a narrower focus but deeper in what you do sure how how do you think we can change change like change the perception where sort of young young russ is going i want to get into recruitment rather than i want to get into sales yeah um would you want? Would you want? Would you be happy if your children end up working in recruitment? That's so we we did. My wife <laughs> I debate that all the time. She's like, absolutely really? yes, yeah. And I've, <laughs> I've thought, oh god, no, maybe not because of the challenges <laughs> and ups and downs that you have. But reality is, you know, I look at um, you know our our life, and I think we've had a we we we've got it pretty good. So I think that um, yeah, I think I'd be happy for them too. I think that um, I think ultimately they got to do what they want to do and and what yeah, sure, you know, what they what they want to go after but um but yeah that's a tricky one isn't it i think i i think there's um i think people misjudge how much value we we offer as an industry um and i think it is a, mm. a really important um 
job. I think that, you know, without us, a lot of the economy would be, um, you know, the, the, the helping people to um, progress in their career and, and connect them with opportunities that can be life changing for them. I think that's a really powerful thing. And I think, it, again, it's perspective, isn't it? It's how you frame it. It's, mm. um, I, th- I think it's an important important an important role that we play so i i uh i don't know yeah nothing to be embarrassed about <laughs> no, i think it's uh um you know you can you can massively impact your earnings you can be on uh you know you can you when i look at over the years you think blimey is you know you're placing some people that i guess that can help you frame it if you're placing people and um that are have spent years going to university or other mm. industries to get to a point you know you think that you know, maybe doctors who have to train so long and go to university for so long to earn a, a level of income that you could do that in recruitment in a you know in a couple of years. And I think mm. if you if you absolutely knocked it out of the ballpark, and there's not many industries, I guess, that you could go do that. Um, so I think it's yeah, it's uh, I like it, but I'm sure maybe not everyone does. <laughs> Look, fi- final um, question uh, for you, Russ, is what what what's the what's the ultimate goal for your recruitment career moving forward um i think that you know certainly we've got some goals for the business today um the journey that we're going on i don't think i don't know whether i'll be around for 25 years to go on john's (laughs) mission of 25 locations over 25 years but but certainly um you know i'm still enjoying building teams and and doing recruitment and, and growing with it i think um maybe maybe i don't think too far that you know that far ahead i don't know i mean as long as i'm enjoying what i'm doing on a day-to-day basis and you know we've got some milestones that we're looking to reach within the company then we'll be going on the right track yeah nice look russ been an absolute pleasure love love your mindset i think it's you've been on a great journey and yeah love how positive and passionate you are about recruitment as a whole so cool. thanks uh, thanks, thanks a lot for having for coming me on the podcast well done on making it to the very end of the episode i hope you enjoyed it I've done my very best to try and level up this podcast that will hopefully mean that you can take even more learnings from these conversations and apply it to your own recruitment career. Like always, if there are any particular topics that you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. The best place to reach me is on LinkedIn. Send me a message. What would you love me to cover with future guests? And If you have enjoyed the podcast, then it would be amazing if you could leave a honest review in your favorite podcast streaming platform. That will simply mean that we're able to reach more people with this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to subscribe completely free on your favorite podcast streaming platforms. And we'll be back next week with a new episode of the Recruitment Mentors Podcast.